Good morning on this uh, May 15th, 2020, for another episode of uh, It May Be a Good Time to Listen. I believe this is episode 14. It's called The Dark Room. Now, one might think I'm talking about Satan, but no, I'm not. Or somebody might be thinking I'm talking about his tricks. No, I'm not. As a matter of fact, this is not about him at all. Now, he might get mentioned in spots, because I don't know what I'm going to say all the way through. Some stuff is written out, some stuff is not. But the dark one was not about him. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. The analogy of the dark room came from a sermon I heard a few years ago from an Australian preacher. She was talking to music students, uh, music academy students, looking to start, you know, praise and worship teams or to somehow fit into the Christian music field. She said when folks, now the analogy she used was when Folks had those old-fashioned cameras, or some of them still have those kind of cameras they use. She said when folks would want to develop film that came from a camera that used rolls of film, they would need a dark room. This is how they would develop the film and get a picture from it. Now, if someone came in the room and turned the lights on, the picture would be ruined. So the dark room is where we get molded to look more like Jesus. I'll say that again. The dark room is where we get molded to look more like Jesus. Now, something with the Bible. Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15 from the NIV. For this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever whose name is Holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. You might say, well, what's contrite really? Well, it's a feeling or expressing remorse or penitence, usually affected by guilt. So a person who feels sorry for something, they have remorse in their heart. And if they're sorry they did something that they weren't supposed to do. You're having that remorse, feeling sorry. That's what God's looking to. One who sincerely are looking for, for his help. Let me read Isaiah 57, 15 again. <clears throat> for this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. So we're talking about a big God who admits that yes, I live in a high and holy place, but he makes himself so small 
that he lives within our hearts if we accept him and do what he says. He said, not only am I in this high and holy place, but I'm also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. So that lets out the arrogant, that lets out the proud, that lets out the person who's conceited. He's looking for the one who's contrite and lowly in spirit, who's looking for him, who's looking for help. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. So even though people are feeling down, God wants to step in and help if we let him. But unfortunately today, in the midst of this pandemic and other things, just life that's been going on for so long with people, we don't look to God. We look to ourselves and our knowledge and how I can gain more knowledge and gain more uh, understanding of how to do something. We look too much to ourselves because that's the way a lot of us were brought up. That nobody's going to give you anything. You have to go for it yourself. And never included God in the program. All right, let's go on. St. Matthew chapter 21, verse 44 from the NIV. This is Jesus talking. Excuse me. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone who fall, anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. One more time. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. So it's better to fall on the stone and be broken. Let Jesus, that broken spirit, that lowly in spirit, it's better for you to fall on Jesus. Come to him while you have time. Come to him while you're thinking about it. Come to him while before he comes back. It's better to fall on that stone now and let him change you <clears throat> and change your ways. It's better, have, it's better to fall on it and be broken than to have Jesus fall on you for being like one of the Pharisees or like one of the Sadducees who refused to, who refused to change at the time. They were they refused to change. They were stuck with the law of Moses, and that's it. And so it's a lot better for you to fall on Jesus to come to Him than to have Jesus come to you and fall on you for being so disobedient over the years of your life. Because what they say, anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. Now you don't want to be crushed without measure. You don't be crushed. There's nothing left of you. You'd rather be broken than be crushed. I, I gave that example uh, a lot of times. Our Lord, the Lord showed me something years ago. Uh, in my kitchen, the floors have ceramic tile. So if you drop anything on it, it's going to break. Now, let's take a coffee mug, for example. Let's say I have a coffee mug in my hand. I'm in the kitchen. And I drop it on the floor. Now, it breaks maybe in two places. The handle goes one way, the cup goes another way, another piece of it comes off. Now I gotta take some crazy glue or some gorilla glue and glue it back together. But now if I take that same mug, unbroken, if I take that same mug, go outside in the backyard and get a sledgehammer and whack that thing, it's gonna turn to powder. It's crushed. 
can't put that back together again. So it's a lot better for you to allow Jesus to come to him broken, sad, depressed, feel like you can't go on. That's what he wants. He wants you to come to him like that to admit that there's something wrong with you. To try and fake your way through it, through life. Rather than you be conceited and stuck up and arrogant and, and proud of yourself so much that he has to come in and crush you with a sledgehammer. Because then, there'll, then there'll be no more of you. Nobody wants that. He said, but he's a loving God. He wouldn't do that to me. Listen, we have to get off of that. We have to start reading the Bible for ourselves and understand that God has two sides. It only makes sense. Because if God didn't have two sides, there'd be no book of Revelation. Okay? Just remember that. All right, let's go on. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1 to 6 from the NIV. <clears throat> now, this, this is about Jeremiah. God wanted, God wanted Jeremiah to do a certain thing. Yes, right here in the beginning. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the excuse me, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, <clears throat> shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does? Bless the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. Excuse me. So remember, not just Israel, but God can shape us if we let him. God can shape us and mold us into what he would have us to be if we let him. So if he can shape and mold Israel like he wanted to, he can shape and mold us if we let him. Why I say if we let him? Because behold, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. And if we be, uh, what does I say? If we be willing and obedient, we'll eat the fat of land. So we have to be willing and obedient. Not just willing and not just obedient. Not obedient because he's looking at us. But we have to be willing to do it. We have to want to do it. So God can shape us and mold us. But we won't let him do it. We want to do our own thing. A lot of people, not everybody of course. But a lot of people just want to do their own thing. Now all this I'm getting at is what has to happen in the dark room. Jesus wants to mold and shape us to be more like himself because he's coming back for a church about spot and wrinkle. So he's going to present himself without spot and wrinkle. I think I have somewhere about the, how we should be found of him. How we need to be found of him spotless and limbless. Now, continuing with the dark room to be molded like Jesus. Here's St. John chapter 12, verse 24 from the NIV. Very truly, I tell you, 
unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Get that? St. John 12 and 24, one more time. Very truly I tell you, this is Jesus talking. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So, a kernel of wheat, a seed, whatever kind of seed you have, is not doing any good if it just falls on the ground, you don't bury it, you don't plant it, and water it and let the sun hit it. If it just falls on the ground and dies, it stays a single seed. But if you plant it, and the seed dies in the ground, it produces many seeds. So, if we want to be any help to the kingdom of God, we have to die to ourselves. Hence the dark one. We have to die to ourselves. We're going to be help the kingdom of God. We can't just pat ourselves on the back and think that, oh, look what I did. I helped somebody. I helped the old lady across the street. Well, look what I did. I burned somebody's garbage cans uh, after the garbage man came. Oh, look what I did. I did. We can't have that kind of attitude. We just have to do the good work of the Lord and keep it moving and keep going. Don't look back and say, oh, I did 10 things, Lord. Where's my blessing? No, it doesn't work like that. Keep, want, keep doing it because you want to do it. What I just say, if you're willing and obedient, so you got to want to do this. And God puts a spirit in you that makes you want to do his will. Okay, there are saints in the, uh, in the dark room now. And they may feel that like no matter what they do and how much they pray, God is not listening. Well, remember one thing. Patience is where we possess our souls. Now, St. Luke chapter 21, verse 19, one line. This, I'm going to read from the King James, the NASB, and the NLT. First, the King James says, In your patience, possess ye your souls. The NASB says, By endurance, you will gain your lives. The NLT says, By standing firm, you will win your souls. So bottom line is, you have to hang in there. That's how you're going to win your own soul, get your soul back. Because if you quit, there ain't no way you're going to make it. When you're before God on the last day and you quit 10 years before he came back, he's not going to say, oh, well, you got saved uh, 20 years ago, so the last 10 doesn't count. Come on in. No, he's not going to say that. That's my, that may be what you want him to say. But that's not what he's going to say. So we have to stand firm. We have to have persistence. We have to have perseverance. We have to have endurance. Whatever you want to call it. Patience, endurance, long-suffering, uh, perseverance, standing firm. Whatever you want to call it, that's what we have to be as saints. We have to stay, stay in the race. Don't quit. Now, no temptation, according to the word, is uncommon. According to the word of God, there's no temptation that's uncommon. 
You probably know this one. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I'm going to read for the NLT and the, G, uh, the Good News Bible. First, the NLT. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Now, the Good News Bible. Every test that you have experienced is the kind that normally comes to people. But God keeps his promise, and he will not allow you to be tested beyond your measure, excuse me, beyond your power to remain firm. At the time you are put to the test, he will give you the strength to endure it. So provide, uh, and so provide you with a way out. Let me read that good news again. Every test that you have experienced is the kind that normally comes to people. But God keeps his promise, and he will not allow you to be tested beyond your power to remain firm. At the time you are put to the test, he will give you the strength to endure it, and so provide you with a way out. So when you're on some place that say God's not gonna put more in you than you can bear. Well, now if you can carry a hundred pounds, God's gonna give you ninety-nine, or He may give you a hundred. He's not gonna give you hundred and fifty. People are like, yes, He wants to. He wants to. He wants to crush you. No, He doesn't want to crush you. But but if you can handle a hundred pounds, you may think you can only handle seventy-five. So that 100 pounds is really going to feel heavy to you. But God knows that that's your limit. You're hoping he put 25 pounds on you. But no, he may put the 99 or 100 on you. You say, wow, this is heavy. I can't bear this. I can't take this. But you're like, yeah, I, I know. I'm within your limit. You don't know it. But I know it. You're within your limit. You can carry it. He's not gonna put more on you than you can bear. You can handle on your anybody says. Now, the thing is, when he puts it on you, you think that you can handle less. So when he puts the amount on you that you actually can bear, it feels like it's too much. It really is not. Okay, we may be tempted to quit, right? But maybe you're just in the dark room. You know, you, you want that 25 pounds, he's putting 100 on you. And you're like, oh, I can't take this. But maybe you're just in the dark room. Now, it's hard to explain because there's really no one way to know that you you might be in the dark room. But never, nevertheless, you got to hold on, saints. Just got to hold on. Because let's face it, in order to help the world, and not doubt our own faith. Some of us may have to go in the dark room at one time or another. Probably more than once. No, definitely more than once. And it's not fun. Well, I don't know. I won't say definitely more than once. Because maybe for some people, once is, all, once is enough. Like once they come out, they're like, I ain't going back. I ain't going back to that uh, oppression again. So... For some people, it may take one time. 
Well, it's what made take more than one time to get to be in the dog room. Now, it's not fun. It's not pleasant. It's not enjoyable. Let's be realistic. But as long as we believe God is with us, we, we can get through. Now, wondering where God is at times is also not an uncommon question to ask. Now, here's three-minute God. Well, there's two we know of minute God. I, I think about minute God, though. And they all ask this question. That the first one is David. This is Psalms 13, verse 1 to 3 from the NLT. Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? Excuse me. How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die. Don't let my enemies say, we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. Now this is David's saying this. David was a man of war. So he's saying, God, don't let my enemy have the upper hand. So whoever he may have been fighting at the time, he may have felt like he was losing the battle. But he's praying, Lord, Lord, don't, don't let them have the upper hand. Let me win. And then at the time he felt God was nowhere around him, even when he wasn't at war. The man felt God was nowhere to be found. He said, oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How many of us feel like that at times? When you're in the dark room, that's the way you're going to feel. Because the Lord put you, may put you in the dark room, and then it seems like he's far away. But he feels the heavens and the earth. He has nowhere to go. So he's everywhere. He might not answer you because you have to grow. But at least I asked you at that time. So David saying, Oh Lord, how long will you forgive me, Vava? Don't we feel like that sometimes? How long will you look the other way? Then God is just turn his head and fail all about us. He says, How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul? With sorrow in my heart every day. How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me. That's a, that's a plea, plead. Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkles to my eyes, or I will die. Don't let my enemies say, we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. Now the next one is Asaph, who also wrote some psalms. And this is um, this is Asaph. Psalm 77, verse 1 to 3 for the NLT. He says, I cry out to God. Yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night I prayed with hands lifted, lifted towards heaven. But my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. Now this is the second man of God. I said, wait, God, like God, where are you? He said, I prayed, but even though I prayed during the night, 
my soul was not comforted. Didn't, didn't tend to help. He said, I think about God and I moan. Like, I know God is out there, but he's saying I'm overwhelmed with longing for his help. Hey, please God, I'm, I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you, come and help me. But God's not going to come when we want him to. He's going to come when it's time. And he will be on time. Now here's the third person. This is Habakkuk. Chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. In the NLT. <clears throat> How long, O oh Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed. There is no justice in the courts. The wicked fought outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. Now this is one of his prophets, Becca. And he says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere I cry, but you do not come to save. Well, things today. How many times we look around, we see bonds everywhere. We see people not want to do right. We say, "Lord, help us, help us, help us," and it seems like God's not listening, and He doesn't come to save right away. He has a plan. He's responding all of us. There's a reason all this is going on. I don't think I have it written in here, but you would check out Isaiah chapter 24. Verse 1 to 6 or verse 1 to 13. You find out while we're in this mess. It's Isaiah chapter 24, verse 1 to 6 or 1 to 13. You'll see why the world is starting to fall apart. So he goes on to say, Must I ever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has, has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. Even back then, Bible days, there was no justice in the courts. So, you know, a lot of times, a lot of people say, oh, we, we got no fair trial back there in the, in the, uh, in the, in, in the 1800s and the 1700s. Well, even before that, there was no justice in the courts. So, there's nothing new. So, I feel like you're the first one to, to come against injustice because you're not. Now, the wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. Ain't that the truth? Now, the dark room seems like a place not too many people want to go into. After all, where he said it's not pleasant. Yet, how many times have you heard people pray out loud? Oh, that they want more of Jesus and his knowledge, and that they want to go all the way with Jesus. I heard that a lot the last 38 years. 
People say, oh, I want more Jesus and knowledge. And Jesus, I'm going to go all the way with you. Well, guess what? Suffering is part of the journey. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, from the King James says, If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. So, even though you may have to go through the dark room and you're suffering, don't deny Christ. You don't want him to deny you. You know, a lot of times people say, well, I'm saved no matter what. So, even if he denied me, I'm still going to heaven. Even if, even if I'm blind, I'm still going to heaven. Even if I'm, what's that same revelation? Blind, naked, wretched, miserable, uh, poor. Now, does that sound like attributes of a saint? I got that from Francis Chan. He said, does that sound like the attributes, attributes of a saint? To be blind, naked, and poor, and miserable, and wretched? No. So I don't know how we think we have all these negative qualities, but yet we're still going to heaven. It's not going to happen. Can you put Zen by and say, I once was blind. How did he say it? I once was blind, and now I'm blind. No, isn't it? I once was blind, and now I see. So I, I was just saying, and say, I once was blind, and now I'm blind. Does that make any sense? No. See, I've already decided that the rest of my life, I have to give a balance on both sides of God, his loving side and his wrathful side. People only want to talk about the loving side, but you got to understand something. Like I said earlier, if God was all loving, there'd be no book of Revelation. Okay, we're well, going to destroy the earth and destroy ungodly people. That doesn't sound like a happy, tiptoe through tulips kind of scenario to me. And if you read Revelation, even parts of it, even if you don't understand it with all the symbolism, even if you read parts of it, you get the general idea that the earth is done for. Now, this journey is not Skittles and ice cream, like I always say. This journey is not Skittles and ice cream. Don't let anyone fool you into thinking that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, four weeks a month, and 12 months a year, that they are constantly drowning in a Holy Spirit trance. That happens in eternity where there is no time. Yes, we get a taste of heaven every now and then, but if someone claims to be walking on a cloud all day, well, don't judge them as a phony, but usually there's a few reasons that why they may act that way. Number one, they could actually be full of joy. It may not be every second of the day, but it's most of the day. Number two, they don't want anyone to know that they're going through. You know, they put on that Sunday face, that smiley face, like everything is all right and fine and I'm okay. So, but they don't want anyone to know that they're really going through. And the third reason is, they've always been taught to look strong because it might encourage someone else. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, they may talk, you know, look strong, be strong, give a strong face. 
because you can help somebody else. Now, the final scripture for the day is this. Keep this in mind while you're in the dark room. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 56 to 58 from the NIV. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So no matter where you are in life right now, if you're in a dark room, stomach. <laughs> if you're in a dark room, always remember that <clears throat> you have the victory. He said, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know your labor is not made in the Lord. Your labor is not going to get you everlasting life. You already should have everlasting life. If you're saved, you have everlasting life now. But the labor, the work you're doing is to give God the glory to show that Jesus is alive. It's all about God getting the glory. Not us getting the glory, but Him getting the glory. That's what scares me about this whole thing. We still don't get it yet. God is bringing us to our knees in one way or another. I'm talking about the world now. I'm not talking about just saints. The world, God is bringing us to our knees to make us turn to him. And we keep doing the same thing. Oh, I, I have to fix this. We have to fix this to other population. We have to get together. We have to do this. We have to, and we still only get it that he's looking for us to be contrite, like I said way in the beginning, be contrite and lowly in spirit and to and realize, look, I can't go anymore. Lord, I need you. That's what he wants. He doesn't want us to try to fix this ourselves because we can't. The politicians are in their own little corner. They're going to have their little fights forever, forever and ever until this thing cracks. Until God brings out the next set of disasters. Why do you keep saying God brings disasters on? Listen, all I'm telling you to do is wait and see. Just, just watch. Unless we go back to God... This country, this world as we know it, is done. There's nothing left. We keep thinking that we're going to fix everything as, as a people. That's the wrong attitude. God wants us to be dependent on him. That's when things will change. And for God's people, said Chronicles 7.14, If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my faith and turn from their weak ways. Then I hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. When? If God's people don't do that, then the world is going to keep going in degradation faster and faster. Now, now I'm telling you right now, if everybody's in such a hurry to get Trump out of office, well, saints, just know this. Once he's gone, the people that are coming in are not going to be on your side. Guaranteed. You may think they are, 
they're not going to be on your side spiritually. You may think they're on your side even naturally, and they're still not on your side naturally, but they're definitely not going to be on your side spiritually. Your, your voice is going to be silenced. You're going to be in for a rude awakening. So don't put your trust in man, put it in God. Stay encouraged in the Lord. If you're in the dark room, let God do his work until he's finished. Don't give up. Why are you saying this? Because I have to encourage people because I'm in the dog room and I would like to be in the dog room more than once. And all I can say is each time you go in the dog room, it gets harder, but it also gets more rewarding. More rewarding, should I say. Say it properly. More rewarding. But you got to stay in the dog room. It's not fun. It's not pleasant. It's not enjoyable, but you just got to wait on God. So may God bless you and keep you in Jesus' name. And don't let him change. But Well, he's not going to change, rather. Let him change you. You won't be sorry. God bless you.